I'm Richard Lannan, Rides with Cannon, and this is the Glazing Insider Industry Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Nozzle. The Nozzle team captures photos, videos and drone footage from locations across the UK to create content for your social media and case studies for your website. To find out more about Nozzle's pay-as-you-go and monthly packages, visit nozzle.media. Welcome to the podcast dedicated to the people of the glazing industry. In this episode, I talk with Daryl Cashmore from Nationwide Windows. In this episode, Daryl talks us through his fenestration journey all the way from how it started to the position he's in today. So without further ado, let's get started. Daryl, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. Thank you for coming on. How did you get into the fenestration world? Um, going back to... 1980 when I left school I started my working life um, in an engineering company a local company in rugby where where I'm from where I live and bizarrely it's on the industrial estate where we are now where we are today so I was working there as a trainee machine setter I learned it quite quick I did quite well I was mentored very well and um, I asked for a pay rise as most people do Mm -hmm. being that age and wanting to go out and run a car and things at the age of 17 and I got knocked back it was an age thing at the time 21 years old come back and we'll talk about a setter's wage when you're a man I took umbrage at that really I thought it was a little bit ageist and went home that night disgruntled Um, I went to my girlfriend's house her mother said well bizarrely I've been talking today to somebody that works in in, in a double glazing company and they're looking for somebody to go into their offices. Would you be interested? I can make a phone call. So I said, yeah, why not? I'll talk to anybody. So that night I had an interview, quite impromptu. Went around the manager's manager's house who told me what the job was. But unfortunately he said the money's not very good. But it was like three and a half times what I was currently earning. So to me it was a, you know, it was a bonus. <laughs> so so knew nothing about windows. I didn't have any intention of ever getting into a, a, a career in, in the window industry like most people. I think I just fell into it. I went there as an office junior. There was only three people that worked in the office. And the owner of the business was planning to take the manager into an installation type manager's role, looking after the customers. I was learning the manager's job, which was processing windows, basically. Um, in the days before computers, doing manual calculations, deducting glass sizes, for, for deduction for, for the glass sizes, and ordering the glass. I was having lunch one day, and I'd probably been there about three, four months, and I was thinking, I don't know if this is for me, really. It's not my sort of thing. Only having lunch, sat with the owner, was, was there, and a customer rang up, and the manager took the phone call, and it was obviously a retail customer complaining about their windows because they said, just that our windows installed, I can see daylight through them. Hmm. The manager made a quite flippant comment saying, what do you want to see elephants? Which Ooh. to a lot of people was probably quite amusing, but to the owner of the business, oh, he went ballistic. So he threw his toys out and he said to the manager, right, get in that office. You're standing there doing the job you're doing. Daryl, move your stuff out here. You're coming to work alongside me. I'm going to teach you how to run all these installers. And at that time, there was about 38 installation teams. Wow. So, and I didn't have a clue. So I was doing all the planning then. Eventually, by the time, I don't know, I was 18, getting on 19, 
I was managing the yeah, installation teams, booking all their work in, making wow. sure it was all signed off. So that was my baptism. So I got on quite well. I learned a lot in those those early years. And um, by the time I was 22, I borrowed some money off my dad. I had some savings and I bought, I rented a unit locally, bought some machines and set up a company with the guy who owned his previous business. And um, we started a company then called Rugby Windows, which was a pure trade manufacturing company. So that was it, really. That was, that was how it all started. Right. So I think, uh, yeah, that was 1986 we started that. Right. I finished up <coughs> um, selling my shares in it in 2000. Right. So that was, so that's what gave you the confidence because you went in at the deep end. That it is was, not yeah. for the faint-hearted. And that was before computer software could organise yeah. everything and do all oh, the yeah. So that was, yeah. uh, I could only imagine what it was. But you must have enjoyed it. You went back. You went back every day. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, to be honest, I actually, you know, I, I learned a lot, to be fair. I learned a lot from the fitters. You know, they, they became, although they were, they were installers, uh, they, they, were, they were good. I, I gleaned a lot of information from them. How long it would take to fit a bow window, how long, you know, to convert a flat window to a bow window. And, you know, I learned a lot about what was required, the materials, how to do it. And then I even had a, a period for a few months where I actually went out installing just before I started my own business. I went out and did a bit of installation work with a fitter to learn to get all the knowledge. So that's, and then when I started the manufacturing business, I was actually on the shop floor making them. So right. the whole thing, I've sort of can take a job really, or I could, probably couldn't do it now, but yeah, from, from cradle to grave really. It does make a difference, I think, <clears> to being <throat> able to see it all and, yeah. and do it all. But did they accept you straight away, the fitters? No, no. <laughs> I was some snotty-nosed little kid that had just come out of, exactly. you know, out of school, really, in their yeah. eyes. I didn't know anything, you know, and there was people coming in there that just sort of tried to take the mickey. But I was quite strong. I was, I was quite, quite hot-headed. Yeah. You know, I, I sort of had a, had a – I was well-known locally playing football for, for yeah, having, <laughs> having this temperament where I, I didn't like to lose and I didn't like anybody taking the mickey out of me. So it was just a bit – so I stood my ground and I think I gained their respect by doing that. Yeah. And I held my hands up and like I, I was gleaming knowledge from them. I was, I was yeah. sucking knowledge up. And um, so, yeah, that's how, that's how I did it. It was. And it, no, that's, I think that's the way to do it because otherwise they, they just, you're fighting them all the time. And I suppose they, they I don't know whether they see it straight away, but if they be, you know, they're on your side, yeah. you're going to support them in a nicer way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> the better jobs and yeah. it all goes in their favor. So yeah. it was in their own interest. Yeah. And, and sort of later on in life, you know, the, one of the window, one of, there was a couple of teams that I got on really well with. And where I, if I was programming a job wrong, didn't give somebody enough time and we were overrunning, rather than let the customer down as such and trying to move it back a week or two or whatever, they would come and work for me at a weekend and fit it over a weekend and different things yeah. and, you know, help me out. Yeah, basically. So, yeah. so we did that. And one of those teams in particular fell on some quite difficult times. They were unable to fit windows and they'd moved away. They'd come back to the area. And I was, you know, happened to bump into this this guy and I never forgot him what he did for me and I was man I managed I was in a position to give him a job where we are now at Nationwide Windows to to you know look after incoming glass and everything else because he knew how to handle glass he was like and um yeah he, he and he worked with me then until he retired and I just sort of like I'll never forget the people that helped me on the journey yeah yeah it definitely comes so, back to yeah good karma that is I like that yeah so what was the next step then after after 
your trade windows? Um, after that, really, it was, um, I, I sort of had a month or two off, thought, well, what do I do with my life now? It's, you know, I'm, I was probably something like 35, 36 years old or whatever it, it was. And uh, I thought, well, I'm too young just to call it a day. And so I went out with a friend of mine who was fitting conservatories. So I knew a few people that wanted conservatories. I was going out, sort of doing a bit of a selling job. And then I was going out with, with this guy fitting them. And, and I did that for a couple of months. I enjoyed it. It was great fun. We, we, we had a real good laugh doing it. The customers, obviously, I, I sort of knew them. So so it was good. It was it was some, some banter, nice time. And then out of the blue, I got a phone call by a guy that owned Nationwide Windows at the time. His, it was sort of the majority of the company was owned by um, Richard and Sue Thompson, their husband and wife. They'd started the, the business going back to sort of 1986. And... Um, I knew Richard, obviously, because he was local. He was a local local chap. I knew history of Nationwide Windows and the retail arm of Future Homes at the time. He, he asked me if I could come and have a chat with him. So I said, yeah, what's why I was up? He said, oh, just come, can you come and have a chat? So I said, yeah. I said, but I'm sort of working on site at the moment doing something. So I popped down in, in my scruffs and had a conversation. He told me about the plans that he had for Nationwide Windows and about... Um, how he'd like to sort of ultimately exit the business and basically offered me a, a position as a as a director, as operations director, to come in and assist with the production element of it as well as the um, the installation side. So looking to grow the installation side and take on, as we deem it, the commercial work, um, social housing refurbishment, and they were just venturing into that. So, yeah, so with all the different experiences I'd had, he, he's wanted me to come on board at the time the commercial director was john Morley, so obviously that's where that marriage was was sort of our engagement started if you like (laughs) and um so yeah yeah we courted each other for a bit then got engaged and now we're fully blown married so (laughs) so yeah it was um and that's that's my first introduction to john we didn't know each other until then and yeah i think i started in august 2000 right i commenced and Obviously, then, as Richard sort of backed away a little bit more, a little bit more, he'd got a new life that he was in a, a new venture he was looking at doing down on the south coast. John and myself got our heads together and did a did a management buyout in 2007. Right. So, yeah, I think we've turned over well, a lot less than we are now, put it that way. So, But we've, we've sort of grown the business substantially. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. You certainly have. Yeah. So a few questions. Firstly... Joining a sort of new venture, one, the fenestration industry has you. That's very, very yeah. clear because even when you sort of <laughs> sold and you could have gone off, you still fit yeah, conservatories. Yeah. And it does that to everyone that I talk it does, to. Yeah. It, it really does. Yeah. But what what made you sell rugby windows in the first place? Um, to be honest, I, I think I'd just grown bored of it. I think I'd just sort of, I'd, I'd taken it on a journey. I'd got it to a journey. Um, I think... My, one of my partners at the time, we had we had different ideas, different directions. So I felt that yeah, it was sort of time, time to move on. Really, yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. Sort of natural. It was. I'd got bored. I think yeah. in in all honesty, I probably got bored. You know, I was commuting because the factory, although it was called Rugby Windows, the factory was in Leicestershire. So you know, I used to travel over there every day, same route, same thing, same time, and I just got in a bit of a rut with it all and thought oh, maybe it's time for us. So yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, no, that makes sense. So, yeah. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. So then seeing this nationwide, this place, it, it just 
reignited everything then? You saw the potential? Yeah, there was, there was, I mean, when I walked in and first saw Richard, there was a definite potential there. I mean, I could see the level of equipment that the, the business had got, you know, the, you know, all cutting centres. I was used to working on nodding donkeys, you know, the old, the old you know, double-headed mitre saws. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, see, seeing the sort of kit that, that was here, I thought, well, you know, these must be making a considerable amount of frames a week. I need to be told, well, actually, no, it's less than the business I was in before. And I just felt everything was being underutilised and there was a job here to do that quite excited me. You know, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to come in and just help and make a difference. And, and I touched on that I played football locally but I'd always worked out of rugby, outside of rugby. You know, previous lives was in sort of Coventry or in Leicestershire or Hinkley. And um, so working in my hometown, nobody really knew, I don't think, what I actually did. No people I played football against or, you know, um, they, they didn't know I was into the window industry sort of thing. So... To them, I was either a pimp or a drug dealer. I don't know which, but it was, it was one of them. <laughs> so, uh, well, your car's changing then. I was thinking, what's he doing? Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, I think it was. And then, obviously, coming locally and and sort of meeting some of the lads that worked here in the factory, I knew from playing football. I started right. when I came to work on the first Monday. I'd played football the day before against somebody that was a goalkeeper that I'd scored three goals against. So. <laughs> Instantly, I had a connection with him, so I could take the mickey out of him because I'd, I'd scored a hat-trick against him. So, and again, he didn't know I was coming here, and I didn't know he worked here. And that guy's still here now to this day. He still works here, still works in the factory. Well, there's definitely that sort of... So when you joined, that family sort of feel, was that there then? Because everyone says it, that now. It was a family business, um, but I think it was, at the time, slightly disjointed, and it just needed bringing together... Yeah. So, yeah, so I adopted a few kids on the way here and everything else. And, <laughs> and with John, I'm sort of thinking, you say you courted him. Who bought dinner first? Oh, God. Now then. I think I used to nick his sandwiches. I had sandwiches at the time. I think I used to nick them. I was a bit chunkier then. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so when, when you sort of originally started up here, uh, how many employees were there? Uh, probably... Probably about 30, 40. I'd probably say 40 ish, yeah. yeah, trying to trying to work out the numbers. So, yeah, and probably what, about 40 people. What are you up to now? Oh, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I think we directly directly employ about around about 280 people. Right. Um, we use up to 100 subcontract installers as well per, per week, anywhere up to, you know, sort of teams of two, so about 50 teams in, in any one week. And then we, uh, bolster anywhere else with agency staff as and when we need them so that can be anything up to sort of 40 though 40 to 50 a week so dear. so it's yeah so it's it's, it's yeah cool, quite a big concern now. yes yeah. so sort of comparing that to the uh, your, your other days how many employees did you have oh, then oh, about 20 if that so yeah that was enough that was enough <laughs> yeah, yeah, i was yeah. quite happy turn over a quarter of a million pound a year and it was you know making a little bit of money along the way so but yeah so this we we've we've actually you know you could tell we've created a monster, but we like it. We enjoy it. You know, we still we still try and have a bit of fun at work, and it, it becomes difficult sometimes. You know, you can't. I always used to pride myself. I knew everybody that worked here. I knew their names. I knew a little bit about them. But growing to the size we are now, 
that's the bit I miss. I miss that bit of intimacy, if you like, knowing knowing them more on a on a bit bit of a personal level. I mean, it can help, but it's not me. I like to sort of be able to, you know, I can walk through the town now and somebody will talk to me and, you know, they call me boss or sir or anything else. And I'm like, and I don't know them. And that's embarrassing to me. But they may have only just joined through an agency, but obviously everyone's pointed me out. That's And I, I do try to meet everybody that starts. Yeah. it's uh, But you can still sleep at night. That's the main thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we've had sleepless nights, believe me. <laughs> you know, in, in the, what is it, 16 years since we did, did the MBO. Um, yeah, there's been some challenges along the way, you know, and, but we've built some brilliant relationships. So if we've needed a little bit of help at any point from a supplier, they've been there. You know, if I've needed to call on favours from staff, they've done it, you know, so yeah. That makes sense. I'm now thinking you've sold a business mm-hmm. and you've bought a business. Yeah. I suppose inevitably that that's something that most people look to do with business, but which was the easier process is what's in my head. Um, I think selling it really, selling my shares, something I'd created was a little bit, I don't know, difficult. I found it quite difficult to sort of walk away from it in the end because I had some good staff, I had some yeah. great people. But yeah, there was slight conflict and so that made it easier to come away. But then I always cared about it. I always cared. And, and I found out at one point it had gone into financial difficulty and I was really seriously toying with buying it back. Yes. And, it, and that was sentimental. Yeah. yeah. You know, financially, from, financially, it, makes sense. it wouldn't have been viable. You know, I know it wouldn't have been, but you know, wearing my heart on my sleeve like I do, I'm a bit, yeah, I want to save their jobs and I want to you know, turn that around and get that back to the business. But then there'd have been maybe a conflict with this business and, I was enjoying this business as well. So it didn't happen. And unfortunately the business did, it didn't carry on. It, it went out of business a number of years ago. Right. So, which was a shame. Yeah. And it does happen a lot in our industry. So when you see yeah, it does. companies like Nationwide yeah. doing what they do, the scale of what you're doing, yeah. it, it, it's nice. It's nice yeah. to see. Yeah. And you're utilizing that machinery now, 100%. Oh, not only utilizing it, we've like replaced it three <laughs> times, four say. times since then. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moving feast. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. We, and that's, that's why it works so well with John and myself, because we're always looking to reinvest in the business. You know, we're normal people. We, we don't look to, to rate this business of cash. We don't do it. And, you know, we, we, we just want to reinvest. And we've, we had an ethos where we don't want to be the biggest, but we'd like to be the best. And, you know, over the last 12 months, um, you know, it's quite common knowledge within, in the industry. We did have, we did have an issue as a lot of companies do with, you know, cybercrime, et cetera. Um, and that rocked us. You know, you, you're going along, you're swimming along, you're just coming out of the back of COVID, really. And then all of a sudden, February the 3rd, our, our lives changed. It's been a real torrid year. And you sort of then get to know who your friends are and who's going to support you and the businesses that you... That, yeah. And, you know, there's a few. There's a few that have actually been there for us, stood by us when times are difficult. Uh customer services so I took a bit of a battering because you know all of a sudden losing all the information of jobs and having to go out and, and resurvey and all sorts put immense pressure on everywhere on every department but we're through it you know we're, th- we're through it now um, our service levels now are getting back to where they should be and but it's been a it's been a journey and one that I'd never want to repeat mm. so lessons learned 
And, yeah. you know. But there's nothing that could prepare you for that. That it's No not. one would see that coming. That's not something no, that... It's not. I mean, a lot more people are starting to mention it at the insurance side, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get cyber protection. Yeah. And But even yeah. then, it's like insurance. You don't ever want to use it. No, you don't. You, you don't. No. So it's, it's sort of... And everyone does the best they can. It's like securing yeah. your home, isn't it? You do your best, but, you know... So, yeah, I, I admire how you dealt with it, that's for sure, because yeah, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted. I know you didn't have a choice. You had to get on yeah, with it otherwise. But there are some companies yeah. that would have just gone the other yeah. way and just gone, poof, that's just... But the staff that we got were incredible, you know, and that's... I turn my hat off to them. You know, they were working around the clock, even, you know, coming out of different departments because they had a bit of IT knowledge and we had to sort of do a lot of different stuff. They were working completely around the clock, and I mean 24-7. I'm useless on IT. Computers isn't my thing. But I was there. I'd turn up with a pizza or whatever or just try and have yeah. a bit of moral support, make a cup of tea or, or anything I could to sort of help and thinking, well, once we get back up and everything's running again, that's when it's going to affect me, really. And that's what happened. So I was there to support John when he was having a breakdown with it all, you know. Not, not, <laughs> it, it, no, no, it wasn't yeah. here. And, um, and then, obviously, when the pressure was applied to me, I was... He was there to support me, and like I say, we're we're great friends. We we yeah, we're a good team, and you know we've got some other team players as well that that bolt onto that. But obviously, we're at the we're at the head of it, having to having to steer the ship, navigate the ship through exactly. through troubled waters, and yeah, we've done it on a couple of occasions, and no doubt at some point we'll probably have to do it again. But it's it's yeah, and I, and we, I take some pride now to to actually where we've got back to. Yeah, no, 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 should. So, also with John, it's it's sort of it's worked out really, really well, hasn't it? Your friendship and everything, sort of meeting by chance, yeah, effectively becoming friends and and everything that someone would want in a business partner. Mm -hmm. Partner, yeah. but they, it's hard to choose. If you had to sort of pick from scratch and say who yeah. would my business partner be, would yeah. it be a version of John or exactly John? Oh, it'd be John. All day. Like, I mean, we've got different strengths. Don't get me wrong. We, that's we've, what makes we've, and that's what that's what helps. You know, um, I'm probably very much a, a person that's out there and I'll deal with anything straight away. John likes to, he's a bit more, you know, I'm, I can be a little bit gung-ho sometimes. John is very methodical. He'll sit there, he'll think about it, he'll discuss it and, you know, and um, so we, we, but we need that balance. Sometimes you've got to make a decision on the run a little bit and, you know, maybe cut a slight corner. Something I keep getting told off now. We've got like a compliance director who's, you know, who tells me off now. I get, I do, I get told off. You can always fire him. Nah, I, I like him too much. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah. So, football, football. Where does that come into your where world? Does it because on? we're looking at shirts now on the wall. You play football. Is yeah. there was there a potential career path there? This um, is what I need to find out. Right. I played football from, obviously I was at school and I think I've started to sort of kick a ball at six, seven years old and started to like football and I had an idol at the time when I was seven, which was George Best. And I just sort of just, I was in awe of George Best. And uh, I think it sort of started from there that it got me into playing football a little bit and then I was playing for the school team. I was captain of the school team at junior, junior school. I was passionate, you know. Deciding game of the season, I got sent off, and I was the first person ever in the history of that school to be sent off. Not someone I'm proud of, but that was because I was passionate. Sad to see the temper. Yeah. So, and um, yeah, it, it, it sort of more from there. I started sort of then playing for a team, a local team, who were quite good. Then I went to a grammar school at the age of twelve. 
and um, they didn't play football. It was a rugby playing school. Oh, that was yeah, it. Course, it was yeah. Tanner Rugby. That was it. You could not, and you couldn't even kick a round ball on the school field, not even a tennis ball on the school field at lunchtime. It was rugger. It was rugby. And um, I think I was 14, 15, and I got selected to play for Warwickshire um, school boys to go for this trial to ultimately go on a tour of America. And school refused it. Wouldn't let me there. Wouldn't give me the time time out of school at that point. Use the excuse that I, I wasn't up to scratch on my lessons, but I thought I was. So I rebelled a little bit. So I stopped playing rugby, and I wouldn't do it. I just go and cross country, just keep fit instead. So yeah, that was the start of football. Uh, Fifteen, I was just leaving school, and I got uh, the chance to go on a YTS scheme for Northampton Town. Right. At the time, I thought. Who are they? They're like they were like fourth, the old fourth division, third division now. So no, there was a. I turned it down. I thought no, I don't want to do that. So again, started playing football locally. Left school. I think that's why I got so on so well in my first first job, because the foreman of the engineering company I was I was um, ran a football team. Right. And we used to go out at lunchtime down to the field and have a game of football. And he persuaded me to sign on for his team. So then he took me under his wing and mentored me for to how to become a machine setter, really. So over and above what he should have done, I suppose. So that was all through football. And um, yeah, the local the local sort of senior team asked me to to go and have go to pre-season training with them. But I didn't like training. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't go. And then sort of probably three, four years later, they played at Wembley in the FA Vars. So, yeah, potentially I could have, well, I don't know if I'd have been good enough, put it that way. But so I went on and, and locally, yeah, I managed managed football team. I played football locally until I was probably 30-ish. And then I became a manager of a Saturday team and a Sunday team. And, and then after that became chairman of Rugby Town Football Club. Right. So I did that for a number of years, which was, again, was enjoyable, but... Again, there was work. I, I had to focus on work. Yeah. That was taking up a bit too much time and I was never at home. So, so and then the shirts. The shirts. Is that a collection? What are you yeah. up to now? Oh, I think I'm probably up to just shy of 30 shirts. And all it is, I, just, I, I went to it, I think it started when I think I went to an auction and I bought a signed Pele shirt at an auction. And um, it was a certificate of authentication with it. And I thought I'll put it up there. And then I saw a shirt advertised for sale, um, again, similar certified um, for Maradona. Right. So I picked two number 10s. And then I thought, well, hang on, I used to wear number 10. My daughter was born on the 10th of a month, 10th of the 10th. So there was a bit of synergy there with the number yeah. 10. Yeah, some of the great players, obviously, the creative players have, have all worn number 10s. So I started to collect signed number 10 shirts. And then I had them all framed the same. And so, yeah, that's how that 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 began and it just sort of gets a little bit you see something else come up for sale and you think oh should I buy that and I've got nowhere to put them now so that's it I've I've filled a wall at home actually I was having some work done at home and I built an extension and I measured it precisely so I could get so many frames on the wall and they fit exactly and then sort of run out of wall space so I've had to bring a few to work <laughs> are they the same distance apart as they uh, are yeah. yeah I like that <laughs> yeah, it's yeah they kind are of- yeah at home, they're actually there's no gap between them. They're all they're all joined. Oh wow! So yeah, there's just one complete wall of double height shirt. 
Wow. So is it is it a collection that you buy them or do you get bought them now? Um, I have been bought them. Um, yeah, I think for my um, uh, 50th birthday. Am I that old? Yeah, 50th birthday. I had um, um, a couple of the guys bought me, bought me, chipped in and, and bought me my idol shirt. Well, I'll say even my idol. Um, I'm a country supporter for my sins. And um, there was a guy that scored a brilliant goal in the cup final that was number 10 called Keith Houchin. And they actually went to the trouble of getting a shirt with a number 10 that he, similar to he wore in the cup final, um, a replica shirt. I tracked Keith Houchin down, went and met him and got it signed. Wow. And he even sent me a birthday card. And apparently he'd asked when I was on a 50th party and they said he, he was going to come but he got something on that night. He actually wanted to come and present it himself. Oh, so. that's nice. But yeah, that's, but yeah, I've got to meet him since and, and yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. So yeah, nice guy. That sits there on the end of that wall there. Wow. So, yeah. So it's, you see, this is the thing. It's to you, it was more than a hobby, wasn't it? This has been, you know, football has got you jobs. It's got you, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's given you a lot more than people just, it's not just a sport and this is what you can't explain to people. Yeah. It sort of, it connects people. Yeah, it gave me the ethos of team spirit mm. because I was big on giving a team sport, you know, and it was like getting everyone. I used to organise like social things out of work. I mean, we played, I'll give an example. We started off with one football team that ran out of my local pub that I played for and then became manager of. We had a really good side. People then wanted to come and join us. So we thought, oh, there's too many people. So we finished up having three teams running out of there. First team reserves and a third team. And there was only four divisions in the rugby league. And each team won their, their retrospective divisions. Um, they won their divisional cups. And the first team played the reserve team in the big open cup, which is the equivalent to the local FA Cup final, if you like. So we, we could see this all happening round about, oh, and then, yeah. Then we went on tour to Belgium in the early Maybank holiday and we won a tournament over there. So... And there's, there's just the stories that I can tell from all of that is just, you know, they bore you to death. Another but, podcast. But yeah, that, that would be a podcast on its own, I think, the trip to Belgium. But And probably, yeah, you'd be, have to be X-rated or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that bad. But, um, but yeah, there was... There was um, so I, d- I did something unique. that The FA Cup final was the sort of middle of May that year and we'd won all these trophies. So I told everybody they had to be at the pub for um i think it was like half past nine so i had the pub open for us so half past nine they all go in we're, we're having a bit of breakfast and a, and a drink and then this open top double decker bus pulls up outside so i thought i'd seen this done so i thought i'd surprise everybody so i hired an open top bus so we went through the streets of rugby with all the cups and went to every pub that had got a a team in the league so we'd, we'd got this driver and it was brilliant. And and the, the driver of this bus was a um, double for Mr. Motivator. Oh, it was like a stand-in for Mr. Motivator. Wow. So he's got this microphone in the bus and we've got these speakers on it and everything. And he's, because it was the local radio station's bus that he was a DJ for. And he, they used to take it to events. So I sort of got hold of him and, and we hired this bus. And it's just talked about now. And this is going back, I don't know, 25 years maybe. That's um, amazing. But yeah, it's just stuff like that. That to me was a bit of fun and it was something that 
you know, it was a thank you to all the players. This is something different. And every time I bump in now to one of them ex-players, and if they're with somebody, they all relay the story about this open top bus. So, where did that idea come from? Just because, when, I mean, I, you see it, don't you? When, yeah. when a team wins the FA Cup or something like that, or the Champions League, or you know, they, but, they get on an open top bus with the trophies and parade through the town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was yeah, it was but just weird. You, you see, that's I'm starting to see now. So with the business and everything like that. A lot of people would have come up with that idea and said, oh, it'd be great if we got an open top bus. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. You just organised it. You got in touch. There wasn't anyone that was going to say, you know, if the radio had said, we can't get you the bus, you would have probably tried somewhere I'd else. I'd have got somewhere else, yeah. Yeah. Because I got it in my head. That's yeah. what we needed. Because it was just unique what we'd done as a football club, you know, to win all these trophies and everything yeah. else. You know, I've got some old photographs somewhere with me with all these trophies and like the manager of each team. And it was just, yeah, it was good fun. Brilliant. So, yeah. I like that. I've asked you a lot of questions and you've answered all of them. Yeah, Yeah. there's a few there, yeah. So how, one thing sort of changing the scale of this business, how different is it for you today than it was right back when you started? I just think it's the level of amount of people we employ and how many, you know, you're responsible for those people, you know, for their incomes every, every week you know, and putting food on their table. So it, it's difficult, you know, you'd love to reward everybody. Yeah. But it's difficult, you know. So I find that that quite hard, you know, if somebody will come and ask for a bit more money and you, you, you listen to their stories of hardship or whatever and you want to help them, you know, I'm like that, I'm sort of quite kind, I want to, but you can't do it, you know, you can't set precedences, you've, you've always just got to be, think of the business needs and, and put that first really, that we've just got to sort of, yeah, so I do find some of the HR type things difficult, should I say? Yeah. Yeah. Which I suppose you grow, you have yeah. to put them in place and I suppose they didn't yeah. exist in no, your last business. So, yeah. You were HR probably. So, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> compliance. Hire fire. Yeah. yeah. Health yeah. and sort of safety. But, but yeah. with that that's what gave you the experience and the knowledge and yeah, everything to make you know, yeah. confidence to, to do this yeah. now. You know, you've you've it been is. there, you've done that, you've fitted it. You, you know what you're doing. And I've gone through all the changes, you know, as the industry has sort of changed, you know, the old external glazed windows and things like that, cockspur handles and, you know, and then all of a sudden there's a thing called an Ispag, an Espanolette, and you think, oh, what's that? And it goes to shoot bolt and it's like, you know, and now we're doing stuff with technology added, like, you know, the, the work we do with Kubu and, and, and everything. And you think, wow, it's just, I like that. I like how it evolves and I can't wait to see the next innovation. I like some of the things that people are putting out there at the moment. But I don't want them to be gimmicky. I want them to have a purpose. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I've just that, I had a flashback then to it riveting on a cockspur handle. You, you, <laughs> yeah, don't, you don't forget that, do you? You don't forget oh, it. No, it was squeezing there. on the end of that. Yeah, till it goes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose you have seen that the massive changes because yeah. you were right there at the start when you know it was all kicking off with UPVC. Really, it was. Yeah, sort of back in the day. I think we were using um, a Decernic 800 series. So, yeah, I think um, that'd be worth a few quid on Antiques Roadshow now, some of that, but, <laughs> and yeah, making those windows. And it's quite ironic, I mean, because, again, when I was fabricating windows, back in the day, we just used a felt-tip pen and wrote it on the edge of the frame. Yeah. I'm, I've seen windows coming back into this this yard now that we've, that we're skipping, or, well, we don't actually recycle. With those, my writing, my handwriting on those windows, and then oh. we've already changed them. You know, my son's just moved into a house, and he's got, windows and well it's got a conservatory that i actually made and it's got windows that came from nationwide windows so it's just a little bit 
Yeah, it's a bit, bit strange when you see it all. Yeah, and I suppose you definitely did the thing where you drove him around saying, fitted that one, did, yeah. we sold that one, he did that one. Oh, I've done all that, yeah. And, yeah, it, I've, I've always got a habit, you know, you go in a hotel room and your oh, first thing you do is open the curtains and just sort of have a look. And Who's fitted that? Yeah, what is what's that? that? Who's come up with this? What's that restrictor on there? How does that work? Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> I always sort of look around and you see the secondary glaze. What's that for? And then you hear the traffic, or you open it up, or the you know yeah. planes going by. There's always logic yeah, to it. I'm a bit of with stuff like that. So I think it's the nature. Everyone I does it, it, and is, it's yeah. it's a bit. Yeah. It's not sad, is it? It's an interest. Yeah. It's it's business. Yeah. That's the it's interesting it. to me. It is interesting. Whoever, whoever you're telling the story to probably isn't interesting. I don't want to know. My wife always does that to me. She says, "Oh, you do is send me photos and videos of windows yeah. and doors." I was like, "What else is mm. there?" But um, do you? When you um, set up, the, the other question was in my head, how much did it cost you to set up that first business? How much did it set up? I think my initial investment was about £4,500. Wow. That was that was my initial, you know, I got a few machines really on the cheap through, again, a local wind machinery guy. So, yeah. And, um, and that was it, you were away? Was I was away. So yeah. God, those days are gone, aren't they? What would four and a half grand get you now? a single head welder and a... And a, a, a Double mortar saw and a, and a bead saw and a, a, an end miller, pretty much. That was it. Yeah, that's what and, you a, mean. and a drain slot machine. That was it. Drain slot machine? Yeah. Ah. Little, well, it was a little copy route, wasn't yeah, it? So, so yeah, yeah, just a little template set. on. Yeah, just done. Yeah. And if you wanted to make a door, you just change the template on the top, just to, the little chip on the top. How many frames were you getting out of then? Oh, I was, I mean, we started off, I think we probably had 30 windows to make that was my order book at the time about 30 windows and you, you sort of it grew quite quick, quickly because there wasn't many local companies at that time supplying trade windows right and is that why you went for the trade then you, yeah. and you you sort of saw the gap yeah and thought we, i can do this and yeah. we can do it better there was there was there was probably one company locally in those days a company called glendale windows in and eaton and that's where i picked right. the idea from really because i was buying some windows off glendale so um I sort of thought, hang on, there's a bigger market. There's nobody locally doing it. Right. So did you even have to get out and sell? Or did it sort of, it just sort of... No, I didn't wow. employ us. I employed one salesperson in all of the time I had it, and he wasn't there that long. Wow. So like, it was it just, just rep- reputation and people saying, yeah, oh, I just... Business. Or, there was referrals from De Kernick, you know. People, oh, people yeah. Go, I had a good relationship with De Kernick in the day. <laughs> and I, I even went over to, to Belgium a couple of times and... Met Arnold de Kernick back in the day, who, right. and, and the family, and so yeah, yeah, I like that. So, that's, that's it. I, it was just in the back of my mind now. I had to yeah. get that in. So, about time for the questions. <laughs> so, in the whole of that journey, you know, that is a great yeah. journey, and it's still going, by the way, isn't it? You know, oh, you're yeah, not, yeah, you're yeah. still on it. I'm you're still, still on it. you look comfortable in yeah. this office. That's that's yeah. good. Is there a low point that sticks out for you? Low point. Um, uh, the lowest point, um, it, are you saying personally or career-wise? Can be or either. Either. I think my lowest, my low, because my dad gave me the initial investment, I think my biggest regret is that my parents never saw how I progressed or what I'd built with the initial sort of money that my dad lent me. That he never wanted back either, by the way. Oh, so, bless it. Yeah. Um, so... I think that was it. I think that's probably my low point. The fact if I've got anything to dwell on, I just think, oh, I wish they, I wish my dad could have seen where his fifteen hundred quid went. Yeah, you know. But like I say, that that didn't happen. So that was a, that's probably a low point. That's one I sort of look yeah. back on, and and it's just unfortunate. That's that's part of life, isn't it? Mm. I think when I came out of rugby windows initially, 
I think that was quite a low point. I can imagine, yeah. Um, you know, looking back at something that you'd really created. So. Yeah, that's that's it. Well, on the flip side of that, is there a high point that sticks out for you? Oh, the high points, personally, is obviously seeing my, my kids grow up and, you know, I've got a couple of them working the business here with me that have worked their way through the business and, you know, been here since leaving school, basically. They didn't want to go and do further education or anything. Although that's what they were both supposed to do. They were just going to have a bit of a year out and earn a bit of money. And but so, and then obviously grandchildren. So from from a personal perspective, it's all about family. And business-wise really is, I think, reflecting on where Nationwide is now to, to where it's come from, the journey it's been on. And it's still on a journey. Yeah. So that's probably my high point. And yeah, sort of. Yeah, getting into getting into business with John. Um, we don't live in each other's pockets socially. We'll go to social events or you know industry events. Should I say? You know, we're always seen together as not well, as John and Daryl or Daryl and John or so. Batman and who's he been robbing? So. <laughs> I was going to say who's Batman and who's robbing. And then um, the other question that people must ask you is who's the boss? Who's the boss? To be honest, I think John's obviously got the the title of MD, so he's the boss. There you go. Yeah, he, he to be fair, he's the boss. He'll he'll there, but we bounce off each other. Yeah, I'll come up with ideas and and things, and you know, it was my idea really to start playing Monopoly a little bit on Summers Road to to, to buy a, a few units here and there, and so yeah, so and he sort of dwelled on it, thought about it, and yeah, we've we've done it and. Like I say, it's been a it's been a testing year, probably the worst year of our our working lives. So saying as a low point, probably yeah, that would be February the third, fourth last year would probably be the lowest point that either of us could have got to because mm. we didn't know what was going to happen. But yeah, between us, great team and the team, not just you know, there's not yeah yeah yeah, it's everybody you know, and that's what I value is is our staff. I do value them. Despite what they think and what they might say, but I do. <laughs> Brilliant. Last question. If you had to spend two weeks on a desert island <laughs> with someone from the friend of station world, who would it oh, be? God, I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? You'd like to sort of say, you know, I listen to Dave Gomesalls, for example, and I think, would I want to spend two weeks with Dave? It'd <laughs> 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 be a bit of fun, to be fair. But, but and you look at it and you think, oh, there's you know, quite... This industry, it's amazing how many single people there are. So I think we're mixing a trick here. You know, you've got yeah. all these you've got all these dating websites and things. We could have Winda instead of Tinder, or we could have Winda, I like that. We could have Winda, yeah, or Egress oh. Harmony. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, so then we could have a choice, didn't it? It'd be multiple choice then. It'd be uh <laughs> Yeah, that and, uh, well, you can do an island, but you might as well do a cruise to the island then and well, that'll yeah, start something. Well. Yeah, and yeah. have a party on that. Yeah, and you'd call it Love Island, couldn't you? Make a series about it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, as I'm, as I'm saying, if it, if it was, I could have a, there's a raft of people that I, I can have imagine. great fun with in this industry, you know, who, who have sort of over the years, somebody like Mark Bromley, for example, I've dealt with Mark Bromley for 20 odd years, 27 years, 30 years, whatever it may be in a previous life as well. Yeah. Somebody like Mark, or you know, and you could you could just have fun, but ultimately, if there's one person, I'd, I'd, I'd have to say John because we go to on trips and we we just have fun, and it's about having a laugh. We know how each other work, we bounce off each other, and so yeah. 
And yeah, if we could have somebody to carry our bags, I'd definitely take Dave G for that one. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, there's no, there's no fun without punches. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, thank you very much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Enjoyed really it. Appreciate Thanks. it. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. All the best for the future, and you're Thanks welcome back anytime. Yeah, it's open no, invitation. No. So the I've, next part I've of the journey. <laughs> That's it. I've but done it. Thank you very much. You need to get our John Wally fella on next. He needs I'll to try. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Recommendation from you. Pretty well. Cheers, Daryl. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. That was a great episode with Daryl. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you'd like to hear more podcasts like this one, consider subscribing. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Until next time.